Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you, Sunday morning. These are pre-recorded. I've been putting some messages together as we uh, underwent surgery on Thursday. I didn't know what I'd look like come Sunday morning. Didn't figure you'd want to see me in a live broadcast. And not real sure where I'm going to be yet. So I'm uh, I'm getting these messages set up ahead of time so that they'll be aired out correctly. Um, got stuff on my heart. Got stuff on my mind. And uh, just wanted to make sure our messages are, are still going out on a daily basis uh, that are effective, that are doing what God wants us to do, even while we're kind of laid up. So hopefully I'm resting well and recovering so enjoy this message this morning on a Sunday morning, just the audio version. We'll share these out as best we can as we go along, and I'll be back with you live as soon as I possibly can. But I want to share a message with you today that's, uh, I mean, sometimes maybe we don't really think about these types of things, but this is going to come out of Jude. Um, it's chapter one because there's only one chapter of Jude and we're going to use the whole chapter. There's only 25 verses. So don't, don't, don't go away just yet. Bear with me. But the, the basic premise of Jude is, is warnings of history to the ungodly. Jude is putting out a warning uh, to the, with history behind it to, to describe what could happen to the ungodly. So take a listen with me, follow along with me as we go through Jude, uh, beginning with verse 1 of Jude 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, writes this letter to those who are the called, God's chosen ones, the elect. That's us. Dearly beloved, by God the Father and kept secure and set apart for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you filling your heart with the spiritual well-being and serenity experienced by those who walk closely with God. Man, that's a, that's a beautiful message all in itself, just in the first two verses. But now let me get to verse 3. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about your common salvation, I was compelled to write to you urgently. I love that word urgently right now. Appealing that you fight strenuously for the defense of the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints, the faith that is the sum of Christian belief that, has given ver that was given verbally to believers. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, just as if they were sneaking in by a side door. They are ungodly persons whose condemnation was predicted long ago. For they distort the grace of our God into decadence and immoral freedom, viewing it as an opportunity to do whatever they want, and deny and disown our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says, Now I want to remind you, although you are fully informed once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe, who refused to trust and obey and rely on him. There's part of the warning right there. Verse 6, And angels who did not keep their own designated place of power, but abandoned their proper dwelling place, these he has kept in eternal chains under the thick gloom of utter darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the adjacent cities, since they, in the same way as these angels, indulged in gross immoral freedom and unnatural vice and sensual perversity, they are exhibited in, pain, in plain sight as an example in undergoing the punishment of everlasting fire. 
Verse 8, nevertheless, in the same way, those are these dreamers who are dreaming that God will not punish them also defile the body. They reject legitimate authority and revile and mock angelic majesties. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil, Satan, and arguing about the body of Moses, did not dare bring an abusive condemnation against him, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men sneer at anything which they do not understand. And whatever they do know, by mere instinct, like unreasoning and irrational beasts, by these things they are destroyed. Verse 11, Woe to them, for they have gone the defiant way of Cain, and for profit they have run headlong into the error of Balaam, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These men are hidden reefs, elements of great danger to others. In your love feasts, when they feast together with, your, with you without fear, looking after only themselves, they are like clouds without water, swept along and by the winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted and lifeless, wild waves of the sea, flinging up their own shame like foam, wandering stars from whom the gloom of deep darkness has been reserved forever. It is about these people that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied when he said, Look, the Lord came with myriads of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all, and to convict all the un- of the ungodly for all the ungodly deeds that have done in the ungodly way, and of all the harsh and cruel things ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people were habitual murmurers, griping and complaining, following after their own desires, controlled by passion. They speak arrogantly, pretending admiration and flat- flattering people to gain an advantage. We pause here for just a minute. The, the reset of this is to keep yourselves in the love of God. Beginning with verse 17, he says, But as for you, beloved, remember the prophetic words spoken by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They used to say to you, In the last days there will be scoffers following after their own ungodly passions. These are the ones who are agitators, causing divisions, worldly-minded, secular, unspiritual, carnal, merely sensual, unsaved, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith. Continually progress. Rise like an edifice higher and higher. Pray in the Holy Spirit and keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously and looking forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which will bring you to eternal life. And having mercy on some who are doubting, save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy but with fear, loathing even the clothing spotted and polluted by their shameless immoral freedom. Verse 24, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling into sin, and to present you unblemished, blameless, and faultless in the presence of his glory with triumphant joy and unspeakable delight, the only To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power before all time and now and forever. Amen. The author, obviously Jude, uh, the book of Jude is Jude. He's the brother of James. This likely refers to Jesus' half-brother, Jude, as Jesus also had a half-brother named James. Uh, You can see that in Matthew 13, verse 55. 
half-brother as Jesus is God's only son, and he's not Joseph's son. So the other boys would have been Joseph's. Jude likely does not identify himself as a brother of Jesus out of humility and reverence for who he knows Christ is. The book of Jude was written somewhere between uh, 60 and 80 A.D., so after Jesus' death, somewhere 60 to 80 years following Jesus' death. And if we apply some brief summary, according to verse 3, Jude was anxious to write about our salvation. However, he changed topics to address contending for the faith. I have to believe it's because of what he was feeling or seeing in society at that time, much like what we feel and see in society at this time. This faith embodies the complete body of Christian doctrine taught by Christ, later passed on to the apostles. After Jude warns of false teachers, verse 4 through 16, he advises us on how we can succeed in spiritual warfare. Drop to verses 20 through 21. Here is wisdom that we would do well to accept and adhere to as we go through these days of the end times. The book of Jude is filled with references to the Old Testament, including the Exodus uh, in verse 5, where he talks in Satan's rebellion in verse 6, Sodom and Gomorrah in verse 7, Moses' death in verse 9, and Cain, verse 11, Balaam, verse 11, Korah, verse 11, and Enoch, verse 14 and 15, and then Adam in verse 14. Jude also uses the well-known historical illustration of Sodom and Gomorrah. Cain, Balaam, and Korah reminded the Jewish Christians of the necessity of true faith and obedience. There's that word again, obedience. To put this into a practical application, we live in a unique time in history, and this little book can really help equip us for the untold challenges of living in these end times. These end times are challenging. Most of us are facing those challenges even right now to some degree or another, and they're likely going to get even more intense as we progress. Today's Christian must be on guard for false doctrine, which can so easily deceive us if we're not well-versed in the Word. We've got to know God's Word inside and out. No matter what we're told, you hear me say this often, we've got to test the word, the spoken word out of someone's mouth against Scripture. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, you need to cast that word out. We need to know the gospel to protect and defend it and to accept the lordship of Christ, which is evidenced by life change. Listen, you can call yourself a Christian all day long, but if your life didn't change when you surrendered to Christ, when you uh, ask him to forgive your sins, when you ask him to lead you out of captivity, if nothing changed, you didn't do anything right. Life must change. There must be evidence of Christianity, lordship of Christ in our life by life change. Authentic faith always reflects Christ-like behavior. You need to hear that again. Authentic faith always reflects Christ-like behavior. Our life in Christ should reflect our very own heart knowledge that rests on the authority of the Almighty Creator and the Father who puts faith into practice. We need the personal relationship with Him. Only then will we know His voice so well and we will follow no other. The Bible says that a sheep knows his shepherd's voice. We need to know the voice of God, and the only way that's going to happen is through a very intense, uh, intricate, personal relationship, an intimate relationship with Christ himself. 
there's there's three big takeaways that we can we can look at from the book of Jude. One, be on our guard against false teaching. Learn to recognize our shepherd's voice. It's vital to our well-being and an ability to recognize false teaching. We must be on guard. We're, we're, we're hearing things today on a constant level that just don't make sense. We're, we're, we're watching the world try to water down the gospel to make it fit their lifestyle. That's not how that works. Uh, God created the Word of God, and it's it's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's not going to change to, to meet us. We need to change to meet it. Be on our guard against false teaching. Secondly, to stand firm in our faith. The key to maintaining our faith is found in verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling into sin and to present you unblemished, blameless, and faultless in the presence of his glory with triumphant joy and unspeakable delight. Who is it that can keep us from stumbling and falling into sin? It's our faith in Christ. It's our faith in our life with him. And he'll present us as unblemished if we live in obedience to his word, following him in everything that we do. And thirdly, we need to encourage other believers. You hear me talk a lot about iron sharpening iron. We need to pray with each other. We need to take time to listen when someone's struggling. You know, oftentimes we see someone going through a battle and we throw out, oh, I'll pray for you. Do you? Do you take the time to truly pray for them? Don't just cast those words around lightly. Take a moment and speak to the Lord about whatever it is that you want to pray for somebody over. Take time to listen when someone is struggling. Encourage them. So many of us today fall into this discouragement, depression, oppression, whatever you want to call it today. Anxiety rules. I struggle with it. Uh, we, we struggle with these depressive moments when life just seems to get the best of us and, man, there just doesn't seem to be a way out. We as fellow believers need to encourage one another to keep our faith, to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's a constant because we live in a constant world of confusion and chaos, our faith must be constant. Study together. Get in the Word together. Uh, do a Bible study together. Worship together. Don't forsake the assembling together of the body, especially as you see these days approaching. It's Hebrews 10.25. It doesn't mean we got to go to church. It means we should. We should need, we should want to because we need each other. We need corporate worship. We need the encouragement of each other in the midst of corporate worship. Worship together. Learn to lean on one another and to have each other's back. You've heard me talk about the, the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about put on the whole armor of God. In all of that description of armor, there's nothing for our backside. And, and I believe God showed me something. There's two reasons why. One we should never turn our back on our enemy. We should always face our enemy. Our enemy is a poser. He's nothing more than a roaring lion. He can't cross the bloodline. When you are a blood-bought, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, believer and follower of him, surrendered to him, living for him, obeying his word, Satan can't touch you. He can roar. He can growl. He can throw blocks in front of you to trip you up. He can do everything he can to try to deceive you, but it's all on us. When we are blood-bought, he can't touch us. We've got to learn to have each other's back. We face the enemy, but there's no armor on our back, so we need to stand back-to-back -back with fellow believers. We need each other. 
that iron, sharpening iron, uh, comes into play. Keeping your sword sharp, which is the Word of God, knowing it inside and out. Begin to, to memorize Scripture. That, that The Holy Spirit will bring Scripture back to reference. He does that for me all the time. I, I might not know the exact reference, but I, I know the Scripture because He puts it in my heart and in my mind, and I can speak it into someone's life when necessary. Learn to lean on one another and to have each other's back. Be on guard against false teaching. Stand firm in our faith and encourage other believers. God is calling us up for such a time as this. We are seeing this, 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 the, the history of the ungodly unfolds before us. God is giving us warnings of this history. The ungodly are going to be, are going to be punished. The ungodly are going to perish. They're going to be sent to a, a, a lake of fire. We, on the other hand, those who follow Christ, those who surrender to him, who live according to his word, who live in obedience to him, have an eternal glory awaiting us. We need to take as many with us as possible. We can't sit in a hole. We can't cover ourselves up. We can't hide in some closet somewhere until the Jesus comes back to get us. He called us to get out, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to lead people to Jesus. We can't save them. There's nothing we can do to save someone, but through our lifestyle, through people seeing us live for Christ, through people see us walk in and out of the challenges of life with our head held high and our faith intact, being obedient to the word of God to the best of our ability, it changes things. It changes people. People ask all the time, why are you always smiling? Why are you so different? Well, it's because of my life with Christ. Is my life perfect? Absolutely not. I'm facing fears and anxieties. Uh, I'm facing plenty of them this week as I've walked into this surgery on Thursday morning. Not something I voluntarily want to do. But but for whatever reason, God has chosen not to heal me spiritually. So he's going to heal me physically through man that he's given the ability to touch my back. I'm believing it. We're standing on it, on his word, knowing that my life is going to be better now. And I can better serve him uh, in, in a place that's out of pain, out of struggle, out of challenge. We've got to learn to walk and understand that God is calling us out for this time, in the time that we are in today, for such a time as this, in this midst of this chaotic world, our life needs to shine loudly, boldly, and proudly that we are followers of Jesus Christ, living according to his word. Do not let the enemy have any footholds in your life. Begin to, to cry out to the Lord in all places, all times, seeking him, worshiping him in a, in a beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and Adam walked in the garden in the cool of the evening with God himself. God, the creator, walked with Adam in the cool of the evening. Can you imagine? Yes, we can, because we can have that type of relationship. We can walk with him day in and day out in the midst of trial, in the midst of struggle. Doesn't matter. We can, in our faith, walk hand in hand with Jesus Christ. And, and, and he can lift us up out of our struggles, out of our challenges. He can bring peace into our hearts. He can, he can bring wisdom and discernment, knowledge of what we need to do next. But we've got to be in an intimate relationship with him. We've got to understand the warnings of history to the ungodly and to know who he is in us and know who we are in him. Amen. Whew, I could preach again. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for following along on our podcast. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers, especially during this time uh, of, of challenge uh, as we walk through this physical issue, uh, praying that, that we're on the best side of it now. Know that God is with us. 
the enemy can't stand against us. Not when not when we stand with the Lord, arm in arm with Lord. Open our eyes, God, that we might see what it is you have for us. Amen. Rhonda and I love you. We're so thankful for you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support, your friendship, your relationships with us. Please continue to pray with us as we continue our journey of seeking out that which is lost so that they may be found. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll be back with you live real soon. We'll talk to you again.